Little Ewoks. An entire empire brought to its knees by small furry creatures. That's my point exactly. Leave him alone. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Side in a clone wars. Hello, and we're back for the second part of our clone wars on Caravan of Courage and the Battle for Endor. We've spent more almost an hour talking about Caravan of Courage, but we've still got another film to talk about and still to compare them as well and see what is the best. Of the worst, if there's even a trophy for something like that. Um, so I'm back here with Angry Andy Reviews. And uh, off, off air, you were saying that maybe we've been a little unnecessarily harsh on these films. Um, you know, people out there might, may enjoy them and may have watched them as a kid and have fond memories. And, you know, more power, yeah. to, more power to you. You know, if you like them, you like them. But we as adults re-watching and watching them for the first time did not enjoy them. <laughs> no, no. I feel like we we just need to just need to be clear on that. We're we're not we're not crapping on these because no. it's you know it's popular, it's a good thing to do. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of people out there that will do it for the sake of doing it. But yeah again we're gonna literally, talk- literally say something's rubbish just to get views or opinions or whatever. We're we're being we're being very analytical. We're being very critical. We're being we're really, really looking at it to try and find some elements of positivity. And I have said, like, my main elements of positivity are the things they've uplifted from these stories into main canon. And there's, there's one particular thing in here, which I, I do think uh, in Battle for Endor, I do think is responsible for creating some really good characters that we see uh, later on in the Clone Wars specifically. And one of my favourite characters, I think, is directly descended from a character in Battle for Endor. Oh, we'll definitely we'll definitely get to that because I I, <clears throat> I like those set of characters that you're talking about um, that have of I'm because I'm going through the Clone Wars uh, animated yeah. show on Disney Plus at the moment, <clears throat> and I've gotten to that point, and I really really enjoy those characters. I think it's some of the best stuff within the Clone Wars. You know, there's a lot of silly things as well. You know, like R two D. Oh yeah. R2-D2 going for a spa day, you know. <laughs> that's just like it. That. I mean, that's just it. I mean, the, the Clone Wars is a, you know, it's it's a, a much-loved animation series, um, but that has some horrific episodes in it. Absolutely. You know, most it's of not them... all sunshine and roses. Some of them are awful. Yeah. Like, like Star Trek Next Generation, some of the episodes are purely filler and absolutely awful and the pacing doesn't work. You know, you get it with everything. You get it with everything. But with these films, yeah, it's just it's it's not good. No, it's not, they're, not, they're not good. They they are the worst. They are the probably the worst Star Wars thing I've ever seen. I I will say I've, I I have not seen the holiday special in full. <clears throat> I've seen clips of it, but I've never actually bothered to watch it. But currently, yeah. these are the worst Star Wars things I've I've. I'd ever say seen. I'd say if you can find. If you, can, if you can find the holiday special, I would watch it just to see the sheer, unmitigated, poorly 
made decisions. You know, just the decision to do it, just so it's so poor, mm. so poor. It's 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 like watching a theatre show completely collapse. You know, in every way you can possibly imagine. It's just mess. It's a disaster. It doesn't hit tonally at all. Kind of like these films, they just don't hit tonally yeah. at all. My my one positive takeaway from this, it's really nice. It's actually a really nice part of the story. Um, director Joe Johnston, fans will know as the director of The Rocketeer, the director of The Wolfman, um, and the director of Captain America, The First Avenger, got his start with Lucasfilm and was on set for Raiders, Indiana Jones. And he helped, as a, I think he was a production designer, he helped create the world of Endor and the Ewoks. Um, and even wrote some children's books about it. Um, so he was fully involved in these films, fully involved in Return of the Jedi and previous Lucas films as well. But it was his, like Endor was kind of his baby. Um, you know, obviously Lucas was like, yeah, we're going to create this, but he's gone, right, I'm going to fully immerse myself and create that world. And he did that. Um, and then after this film, Lucas said, you know what? You should go to film school. And he went, all right, I will. And then Lucas went, and I'm going to pay for it. So well, Lucas did a lot of people cut their teeth on these features, on these films. Um, like I said, the music is really good. You know, the score is really good. The set designs are really good. The setting, the matte paintings that make the backdrop, they're really, really good. It's the last time you really see stop motion used in such a in such a way in these films. You know, it's that in itself is something that you should treasure, really, because this is like, it shows the dying of you know the Ray Harryhausen kind of way of filming ethics and things like that with preacher effects and stuff like that. It's a shift from that into further practical effects and modeling and using animatronics, you know, that we see not long after, so in less than 10 years, we see them with Jurassic Park and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You can see you can see the shifts and you can see the building of people's careers here, you know. And we're not we're not saying we're not saying that you know. It's all bad and it stems from, you know, the creatives and whatever. Yes, in terms of writing, I think George Lucas is probably at fault for a lot of this. But the, the honesty of the filming and some of the techniques, you know, they are they are quite good. It's just the final execution, be it editing, direction, you know, oh, it's, it's there's writing. a the multitude. There's a multitude yeah. of problems. Um yeah. but what you were saying about people cutting their teeth on these films is Apparently, it was kind of a lot of a lot of people at Lucasfilm and ILM, I believe, didn't have much experience on set or or on any production. So they, this was yeah. this was almost entirely a kind of work experience project. Both of these yeah. films, yeah, um, and it and it does show a little. Yeah, um, it does. you know, it does, it does reek of like university filmmaking. You know, like. Film school, film school kind of filmmaking, you know, where it's, it's rough around the edges to a fault. You know, it does have those things. But then, like with a lot of film school films, they do have little quirks and charms. Yeah, yeah I just think it's. And I think it was. I think it was a good platform because again, it's TV. There's less budget. There's less. Uh, possibility of failure and the this first caravan of courage was not a failure it was watched by millions the ratings were yeah. huge huge numbers it brought in the, it, uh, this, had, it had a, it had a very small theatrical like full cinematic release in germany for uh, quite a few weeks and it made money it was making money and that's the thing that people latched on to the ideas of the ewoks so when you say oh the ewoks were rubbish back then people loved them yeah. they loved them they liked the idea of the ewoks 
I've, I've got a question for you, Andy. I know you're talking about the Clone Wars and some of the episodes. Now, I, I've turned off the Clone Wars recently after uh, Jar Jar basically has sex with like a Bollywood alien. Um, that was that was when I kind of... Oh, God. They made, they made Jar Jar a romantic lead in the story. And Mace Windu's yeah. like, what the hell am I doing here? And I was like, no, I'm going to... I, I think I'm not going to watch any Clone Wars because uh, second episode, there was a second part to it. And I was like, oh, no, nah, I can't do it. So I turned it off for the time being. I am <clears> going to go back to it. Uh, but my question for you, Andy, is in a par- in a parallel world, we didn't get Ewok movies. We got two Jar Jar Binks movies. Would you have rather have watched those or this? That's my question to you. I'd w- rather watch these purely because Jar Jar talks too much. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and the Ewoks, are pr- like we said, they're hardened warriors. They're good. They're skillful. Um, Jar Jar Binks is a fucking idiot. You know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. He gets a lot of stick, and you know, spaced. You know, we're a fan of uh, the TV show Spaced, and they, I think, they put it best when they were like, you know, the Ewoks are shaft compared to Jar Jar Binks. You know, yeah, and, and Jar- think, like you can explain Wicket's silliness in Return of the Jedi because he's only he's only a youngster, so he's they literally they literally crafted Wicket as being the age of um Warwick Davis at the time. So he, he's a he's he's a he's a baby. He's still he's no he's, he's still still a young child, but he does have that warrior instinct as well because he does carry a spear around. You know, with Jar Jar, he comes from a warrior race as well. These are warriors. The, the the people of Naboo were terrified of the Gungans because they could appear out of water at any point. They could travel through the cracks of the in in the earth, you know, the the caverns and you know just appear up and surround them and do, use guerrilla tactics. But Jar Jar, as a character, completely undermines the feel of the Gungans. So the Gungans were, were probably like, you know, the Phantom Menace's equivalent to, you know, the, the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. But because of Jar Jar's complete ineptitude and stupidity, you don't you don't get the effect. And you don't feel sad that loads of Gungans die either. And that's that's annoying. So even, even in the face of battle, when Jar Jar's, you know, accidentally destroying tanks left, right and centre, you know... In the battle, in the Battle of Endor, in Return of the Jedi, you see Wicket, you know, trying to mimic what other people are doing, and you know, hurting himself or whatever. But he never gets in the way. He doesn't get in the way, and he doesn't take away from the fact that Ewoks do get killed. Mm. And there's a really sad moment in it as well oh, when God, you see yeah. an ATSD blow on the way. And I remember crying actually really? when I watched it when I was a child. And that that Ewok rolls over and tries to wake his friend up, and then there's just nothing. That's really sad, and you don't get any of that in Phantom Menace because it's all about Jar Jar. Yeah, well, so Jar, they're, they're... Jar Jar for me is so dangerous. Like, like I know they re kind of they rewrote he, he, it. Yeah, Jar Jar is the reason the war continues. <laughs> he's the reason the Clone Wars happens. So he's he's directly responsible for the Empire taking over, which is why all those theories about him being a secret Sith Lord are quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like, and that's through his stupidity and his, his, you know, his ineptitude, like you said, and his naivete as well. Yeah, Palpatine yeah. manipulates him perfectly. That's why we've talked about it before. Like, yeah. watching the prequels now as an adult, I like them more than I did when I was younger, purely because of Palpatine. I can see the inner workings of Ian McDermott's characterization, the little flares of looks and glances that he does in those films. Brilliant, brilliant, because you can see him manipulating characters, and I love it. Yeah, it's just, I I, I couldn't watch. Uh, those episodes you talk about in The Clone Wars with Jar Jar, mm. I zoned out completely. Yeah. I can't even remember what happens in them, and I love The Clone Wars series. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. I, I know the actor gets a lot of stick, and he's he's struggled with. I'm at best, yeah, yeah. he shouldn't. 
he, he did what he was told to do again a product of direction and writing yeah. he was told he, he did what he was told to do and a lot of the actors that worked with him said he was brilliant so that's why they, the, all the actors that worked with him like Ewan McGregor and um, Liam Neeson they hold him in extremely high regard because of his professionalism because of the way he got into a character yeah. and we, we didn't really see that in the films no again i think i think it's a it's poor character poorly poorly created poorly you know again he's doing the actor is doing what he's told he's been told by the director do this and he's doing it to the best of his ability so i feel bad for him that you know maybe his career didn't take off the way he thought it might or that he might get more roles and i know he was uh, i think he had some suicidal moments uh, which which is which yeah, is awful Freddie, it's bloody heartbreaking yeah. but he's, he's been brought back into the fold of like you know star wars he's, he's done a couple of on, on disney plus there's like um i think it's disney plus anyway there's like a jedi training academy you know like kind of like crystal maze kind of show okay for kids and he's the lead of that. He's dressed up as a Jedi, and he's, you know, he's he look he looks he looks good. He looks fit and healthy, mm. and he looks like he's enjoying himself. I think, you know, what, 1999, mm. 22 years. It's a long time for him to, you know, Deal they should they should have just brought him back in something, and you know, have him feature more prominently as a different character. I yeah. Think. I just for me, Jar Jar is everything he does is by accident. Whether it's yeah. whether it's a positive thing or it's a negative thing, and and the negative ones cause a lot of deaths and a lot of you know a lot of problems for them. And yeah. it, and you can't really and like if you had somebody you're working with somebody like that or you have somebody on your team like that, eventually you're going to go. I don't think it's worth it in a way to have someone this potentially good and bad, but more. You know, one day it could go so bad that the fucking planet explodes and and we're all done for. But yeah, I, I just don't like. Again, I don't. I like the Ewoks, and I think we've talked about why they're cool, why they're different. That this warrior race, that these can, you know, they'll eat humans. You know, don't fuck with the Ewoks; yeah. they will, they will eat you. I went down a particularly dark Ewok YouTube hole the other day. Um, I'm going to talk <clears> about that a little bit later and kind of some of the stuff. But yeah, you know, they will, they will eat a stormtrooper. They will eat a human. They will eat. Yeah, well, they were, they were going, they were going to eat Luke Han and Chewbacca, and they, the Jedi. they were going to eat them. Yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. They were going to cook them and they were going to eat them. Exactly, and that's you know, obviously we like we're like, oh, it's cutesy, cutesy, cutesy. Um, but yeah, they were going to eat them. Speaking of dark, let's talk about Battle for Endor. So, so initially, this film, um, George Lucas again got the same guys back together pretty much. I think there's new directors or a different team of directors. But I think everything else was pretty much the same. Um, Lucas said um, so off the back of the last one his daughter that who he made it for was quite upset that one of the Ewoks died. Um, so there was an Ewok fatality at the end um, to save Sindel and Mace and the parents and everything. Um, so she was quite upset by that. So mm -hmm. he went, he went, okay, no more Ewok deaths in this one. No Ewok deaths. However, he still went, I want to make this film about death because yeah. the last one was, was based on a Goldilocks and the three bears. This one is apparently based on Heidi, which is a, a young girl, um, living like uh, you know, uh, orphan girl living with a you know a likable curmudgeon of an old man. So you see that yeah. within the film. But he was like, I want it to be all about death. Credit credit to this film. It does open with a bang. You know, there's a battle. Oh yeah, and, it, and it's, it, it's a lot. It's a lot more action oriented. A lot more frantic this one compared to the last one. Last one was more ponderous and more sort of like yeah. You know, Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. This one kind of just gets going immediately. Yeah, it's kind of it was a bit more introspective the last one. It's more like the journey and stuff and yeah. 
so we get this battle. We all these guys randomly turn up. Um, these kind of a, these aliens that live in a castle, as you mentioned prior. Um, Another castle. <laughs> and I think it's. I think the villain's called Terak. I want to say Terak. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And he's played by the guy who, in the nineteen nineties, played Lurch in the Adams Family. That's the same yes. actor. And uh, and yeah, he, he basically it just starts off with a bang. You've got all these people. You've got um, a witch called Caral or Charal, I think her name yeah. is. She's involved, and they're looking for a power, a power. So uh, the the like you said, we we've recast. The dad has been recast, um, and he's trying to fix fix the space cruiser that crash landed in the last film. Um, and he has, a, and they're after the power, the power, um, and the power happens to be like the the battery uh, or the power source. Yeah, for, so, for, some some kind of power source from the ship. Yeah, it's a. It's a I believe the, it holds mystical powers and all this. Yeah, so they're after that, and they take that, and in in the ensuing battle, everybody dies. All the humans die. Yeah. Uh, apart from the little Sindel, who who Wicket saves and takes off. How did you feel about going from the the previous ending, which as I've mm. gone over, I fucking hate. To yeah. go straight into this, and all the human characters they they built up, you know, this big story, and like, oh, we're we're happy, and and then they're dead. Yeah, I mean, just to put it in that perspective, literally, Caravan of Courage ends with the family reunited, and they're going to go away and fix the ship, and they'll live happily ever after. Within five minutes, the family is completely obliterated, literally completely obliterated. You see, Sindel's uh, running around, and she sees Mace basically just shielding his already dead mother at this point hmm. from blaster fire. And he's literally just hammering as many of these, I'm going to call them orcs because they look like orcs, yeah. as many of these orcs as he can. And he tells Sindel to run. Probably the best bit of Mace's acting, Eric Walker, you know, probably the best bit we see of Eric Walker as Mace. You know, it's his screen time is 33 seconds in this film. That is it. And all we see of him, he's already he's got like a couple of cuts on his face. He's bleeding, and he just turns around and he goes, "Run, just run! I'll hold them off as much as I can." And you see him just hammering down fire. He drags away the mother into a bit of shelter, a bit of cover, and then it blows up, and he's dead. And you know he's dead because they're both they're, all the family are wearing these bracelets that have like a heartbeat sensor on them. And you know he's dead because Sindel looks at hers and it's flashing green, and then it flashes red. Yeah, and, and he's I- gone. They're all dead, and yeah. literally. There is, there's no sort of stopping to sort of say, oh, okay, why? Because the next scene, Sindel finds her father and again, her father just goes, run, just run. And he does the same thing, tries to hold them off and is killed immediately. It, it doesn't quite fit for me because of the ending of Caravan of Courage to have them all be so completely and a bit pointlessly massacred yeah. straight away. I mean, you see, you see these marauders like attacking the Ewok village and taking away Ewoks and carting them up. And my question is, why were the marauders not carting away these humans? Because if they're using them for slaves, you would have thought, okay, the humans would be better slaves because they're bigger, stronger. Mm. Yeah, taller, and maybe they could be used. Maybe they can explain this power source that we're looking for. Uh, I just, I, I don't know why the decision was made to massacre the family. I really don't. After, and immediately, the, yeah. it threw me out immediately because I went, okay, I'm all for twists and turns, but why have you done this after the ending of Caravan of Courage? Hmm. It doesn't fit. And these are only a year apart, probably not even that, hmm. in terms of release. <laughs> it's very it's very abrupt as well. Like, yeah. like Mace, Mace gets killed, but I, I had to rewind it because I was like, 
because she goes, he's dead. And I'm like, is he? Because yeah. even the shot, so he he picks up his mum's body, who's clearly not the same actress. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't see her face. You don't no. see her face. The, the mother's obviously a stunt a stunt woman. Yeah, um, uh, carries the, and the body. Dad, the dad's completely different. Yeah, so Ma- it's only it's only Mason Sindel that the same actors and Warwick Davis as well. Hmm. They're the only they're the only same characters from Caravan of Coverage yeah. that we know yeah. of. Probably some of the Ewoks as well. Like, but. oh yeah, yeah, I imagine. I know that. Um, you know the the little person from um, Bad Santa. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in it, isn't he? Yeah, he plays one of the yeah. Ewoks as well. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, we see Mace take take. You know, he's firing his blaster. He's very fond of his blaster in the last film, and he's carrying his mum into the hut. And then there's a couple of blasts and a couple of explosions. And the aliens are, you know, the orcs we'll call them, um, are shooting. But it's never like. There's never a shot, an identifying shot to say that they've shot that hut. Yeah. It's, it's just it's, an explosion. It's, yeah, it's a distant shot, isn't it? Sindel turns around you, you, and she sees a massive explosion and then she runs a bit further and then she looks at her wrist and it all, fla- like the the indicator flashes red and then she makes the decision that they're dead there. But to me, that's like, oh, we can't really show it. Yeah. We want them to die. So here's a MacGuffin to explain that they are dead. Yeah. Um, well, it was th- those life... Those life monitors or whatever they are were in the first film. Yeah, yeah, they're in. Yeah. They're in. That's how they knew the parents were still alive, and that yeah, they should that go was... and find them because the heartbeat sensors were still going. But fantastic yeah, they're... range on those devices. I know, but the, but what? For, for, like, they never really explained how they worked, and I kind of wish no. it was a bit more. Kind of, yeah. is it is it on? You know, is it on heartbeats? What is it? And and then even even looking at them when they're like bleep bleep bleep, it's it's not like bleeping. The 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 light the green lights going, the red lights going, the blue lights going. I'm like, yeah. what what do all those indicate? What does that tell me? Yeah. Which was was fuck all basically. Um, <laughs> And 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 for example, what what happens if if you know it gets removed or it gets damaged? Do you just assume people are dead? Yeah. How, how does yeah, that exactly. how does that work? Um, yeah. Yes. So so we've opened with a massacre um, in this kids' film. Oh, for kids. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, it's fine. You get you you need you can have tension and death and misery in kids' films, but it just it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Doesn't feel right for the film. It's almost like they went. We need something drastic to separate this. So just kill everyone. And then for the, for the rest makes of it the film, even weirder. yeah, for the rest of the film, all you hear is Sandel talking about fucking death. Like she's like, "My family are dead. Your part, your your pilot is dead. Everyone is dead. Why am Why will I be dead soon? I'm having a nightmare. I'm going to be yeah, dead. Why should we bother? We'll all be dead. You know." And again, again, her acting has improved very slightly, but I know, I know. Yeah, I, it is. Not by much, but you know, fair, fair credit to her. I know when they hired her, she couldn't memorize the lines, and they would have to feed her lines. And you can yeah. tell a yeah. lot of the t- a lot of the time where it's like, I really like the Ewoks. Beat, 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 smile. You know, it, it's like it's like she forgets that she's supposed to be happy in that moment or what she's feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's just it, you can you can see it and you can feel it and you're like, oh, if only. Um, but yeah, she's she's clearly not an actress. Didn't act after this either um, after these films, which yeah. not surprising. Um, but it's you know it's for certain kids it's just not their bag or it's not their it's not in their skill set. You know, that, yeah. and that's fair. Um, but she does what she can, but it's still not. Great, the uh, wicket carries carry you know protects her, and don't they they end up in a cave, don't they? Yeah, so they're being they're being chased by orcs, and basically they're just they're chased into a mountainside, aren't they? Mm. And um, they manage to get into a cave, 
and the Yorks fall to a grisly death, hmm. more death. Um, <laughs> and then she's, they come across a big dragon thing, don't they? And the dragon carries her off and Wicket's dead sad and manages to find a flying machine. <laughs> like that, that, that annoyed me because Sindel goes, oh no, now we're trapped. Because like yeah. he's 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 kind of destroyed all the rock formation. Yeah, there's no way out. Yeah, and then oh, there's a convenient hole in the wall and and a glider. That seemed yeah. to be a quite very. That's a very 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 convenient thing. Yeah, it was like oh, somebody else was going to do this before, but you know we're not we're not going to bother kind of looking too much into that. No, off we go. Hey, yeah. yeah, I did I did quite laugh when she got picked up by the dragon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, again, it was stop motion, wasn't it? So it's a very Harryhausen effect. You know, mm. you can see like her like writhing, you know, like you used to see in the old the Greek, <laughs> the Greek, yeah. the old Greek. Jason, uh, Jason the Argonauts, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With her like writhing, or when people are getting eaten by dinosaurs in those old films, are like, oh, God, you see them writhing and wriggling. Oh. It, does, it looks pretty funny. It doesn't, it doesn't have the effect of tension at all because immediately, like, Wicket is able to distract it so that it drops her and then yeah. she catches it. Oh, it's just and then they land on the conveniently in an open plane, but conveniently enough that there's plenty of cover so the dragon can't get them. And then the dragon just fucks off. And it's yeah, like, it. I can't be bothered. That's it. I, I I mean I could have done with more information about the dragon. I thought that was a cool design, a cool a cool creature. Like that's what I like. I like the creature designs and stuff, minus the spider. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the creatures that aren't that we don't know is we see every day in our yeah. you know, in our lives or or on end or outside of these films you know it's, it's yeah so something yeah. a bit different something a bit new I, I like that and I like the work that goes into practical effects and stop motion and things like that so yeah I I, I always I'll always dig that then they kind of <laughs> again a bit depressing Funny, yeah. they, this, they they start getting cold and start starving to death basically. Yeah. Um, it's pretty horrible, actually. It's kind of like, oh god, what's the end game here? <laughs> to, to, to die. This is this is their Empire Strikes Back. You've had your new hope of Ewok movies, and this is your Empire yeah. Strikes Back. Um, and they come across another human on Endor. No, they, that's it. They come across this. I think it's Teak or Teakle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like this fast-moving gremlin or goblin or something. Um, yeah, friendly. That's what he is. Yeah, friendly, but he's like he's like Quicksilver but furry um, kind of thing. <laughs> move at speed, um, and then he he leads them to Wilford Brimley's character, um, star of one of our favorite films, The Thing. And I have to say, I'm quite glad he turns up because I was like, oh my god, good acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But even even then, he's he's completely exposed by terrible writing, terrible writing. Because some of some of his scenes are so flat and it feels laboured. It feels like he's talking to a wall because there's there's no there's nothing to react to him. Yeah, it's just him trying to power through and show emotion. Because initially he doesn't want to help them. No, he, he throws them out when he sees them in in the house when um, Teak brings them to the house. He's like, "What are they doing here? I told you, no strangers. Get out." Yeah, and then he kind of has that moment of like, fine, you can stay one night. You know the, that trope that we we always see when mm. somebody rescues someone or something, and then they end up staying a little bit longer. But Sindel starts to have these kind of feelings or these these visions, and she knows that she needs to go and you know find this power thing. Mm. It's, it's all very weird. And what I find about this plot in particular, more so than Caravan of Courage, is it. It's convoluted as sin. It rarely sort of fits together, even in its basic elements. It's kind of like, oh, we need to go here now. So just just cut to it. Just get there. Just go there. 
it's it at the same time it feels convoluted and flimsy like it's very thin oh yeah i mean it's so thin the decisions so- they make to end up getting them to the castle to to fight the the you know the the main bad guy i can't even remember the reason i don't even know how they get there or why they get there i, I know i know since sindel gets trapped by by the um the witch doesn't she yes which yeah. which masks herself mm. and you know looks like a dead uh, beautiful woman who says oh your family's still alive i can help you i can help you and then tricks her takes her away and whatever but then she escapes and it all goes wrong and they're all very yeah. confused and it's just a confusing, confusing yeah I, I believe i believe she's kidnapped because somehow the witch is like because they have this power this power yeah death or power source whatever it is and they're like oh we can't use it and and the witch yeah. like, the witch kind of told the guy again Terak I'm going to call him and he he's like this is the power this is the power we later find out that, that Wilford Brimley's character uh, Noah he's called isn't it his character Noah yeah yeah um, uh, his co-pilot in his ship went off to kind of find another power source for the ship to take off and is is captured by Terak years ago and is told about this power and obviously and then you see this really shit pile of bones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a like a university pile of bones. Yeah, just like yeah, we just like we just get that from a, a you know a doctor, a medical examiner, and we just stick it there. Um and it's like he told us. But then the witch seems to know more about it. But then and he's like, Yes, we need the power, let's get the power, let's get the power. But then she didn't know how to fucking use it either. So I'm just like yeah. Why is she so keen on this if she didn't know how to? And she's like, yeah, well, it's, well it's the, so the child must the child must know how to use it, clearly. Yeah, it's, it's so clear that they entered a dead end and didn't know how to get themselves out of it. Yeah. Like, we've got the power, we've got the power source, we've completed our mission. Oh, fuck, but when we've got gaping gaps of where the plot goes, uh, we need to round this up. How do we round it up? Um, nobody knows how to use this power. Nobody really knows what they want the power for either. Why does he want the power? Why does he want the power source? Why does he want essentially a battery? I don't think he well, what knows. What does he want it for? That's what, that's what I to... think. Yeah. I don't think even he knows. And he just comes across as fucking like, I don't mind like a stupid villain or a, you know, a, one that's a bit more simple, like a basic villain. And, and yeah. they just want very simple things. They're not this Machiavellian type. I don't mind that. But he just seems like he's just like, I want that thing because I want it. Yeah. I want yeah, it now. Yeah, and that's what it boils down to. There's literally no, there's no explanation of what they want to use the power for. I don't think, I can't remember. I might have zoned out completely. But because the witch has this power herself, that she's able to manipulate environments herself and other things around her. What, what, what is the end game for the power source? What is it going to do? Is it going to, is it going to re? I would have bought it if he said, "I'm going to use this power to reignite." You know, yeah, a secret chamber within this castle that we have, so that I can rule over this planet and forge my own empire. I would have been like, okay, cool, yeah, that's your end or he, game. Or he had, if he had like a massive turret that needed to be charged by this power, and it would help him. Yeah, you know, yeah, but there's, kill, there's like, no reason or something. Like, yeah, yeah like the idea of maybe having a massive gun or a, a special weapon that would kill a Gorax would make sense to me. Because um, that's that's kind of a legitimate threat within Endor and within those films, you know. But again, it's just nothing. It's just like it's yeah. just a nothing thing. It's it, just it, like it's literally it's just a literally just a plot device that goes nowhere. I tell you what would have been better is if the dad gave Sindel the power source, and they and throughout the film they're chasing them. Yeah, that would make more sense. The fact that they just the the fact that the villains get what they want straight away is is boring to me. Like it's it's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, the heroes don't get what they want, and the the villains get what they want straight away. It's not. 
It's not like, you know, like um, Loki wanting to be locked up or, you know, Wrath of Khan, you know, wanting to be locked up and then they escape and it's yeah, all yeah, part yeah. of the plan. It's not like that. It's just, we got it. What do we do with it? Don't know. How does it work? Don't know. Should we ask that little girl? Sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, she doesn't know either. Now what do we do? Um, oh, wait, she's escaping. Uh, Chase her. Oh, wait, the Ewoks are all banding together. And then the film. And that's exactly what happens. Literally, that is exactly what happens. Tarak loses his shit because the girl goes, I don't know how it works. Mm. So he locks her up and the witch, Cheryl, yeah. locks them both up. And then the Ewoks and Noah, like Wicket and a couple of other Ewoks who they find still like, you know, safe or whatever, come, come and rescue them all. And then there's a big chase, sort of like a Mad Max Fury Road kind of chase back to where it all started in the Ewok village. And the don't, Ewoks, don't compare it to and, don't compare it to Mad Max. That's too difficult oh, oh, to compare it to. <laughs> oh god, yeah. But you know, just in that basic sense, literally chasing them across like where the entire journey they've had before. Yeah. Back to the Ewok village and the Ewoks get the upper hand and manage to turn turn over the entire battle in their for in their favour. Mm. But it, the film's called Battle for Endor. There's no, there's no, there's no level of threat in the film to suggest that the stake of Endor, you know, well, the Endor is at stake itself, yeah. which I would have bought, like you said, if he was using this power source to make a weapon or to reignite the, the castle, which has some kind of power in it or something else in it. Yeah. More, more pointedly, I probably would have. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about. You know, these films using magic and everything and say it's the force, this power source, you could have used it as sort of like a proto thing that we get in Rogue One, where it's a kyber crystal. And kyber crystals were used used to explain how the Death Star is able to amass that much power. But it might might well have been. It might well have been a proto, a prototype kyber crystal kind of design where this power source is a huge power source, even in its smallest fragment. It's able to create weapons. It's able to create you know, connections to other objects or people, something a bit more akin to that. If it had been like, this is a kyber crystal, I can use this to make a weapon, you would have been like, oh, okay, he wants a lightsaber. Yeah. He Because he's got a sword, he's got a massive fuck-off sword. Yeah. What's the next stage up from using that sword? He's heard about, you know, these legends of people using light swords. I want one of them. That's a good motivation for a villain. I want that. I want this. I want this power. Again, that's that's like Indiana Jones. What's what's in the Ark of the Covenant? It's power. So what do the Nazis want? They want that power, and they don't look at the dangers associated with the power because they just want the power. And you could have had that same thing. He maybe gets a lightsaber, and that's how he's defeated mm. because Wicket gets the lightsaber and uses that against him, or he kills himself. You know, anything would have been better than what was in this, which is nothing. There is nothing in this. There's nothing in this. The power source amounts to nothing. It's just a throwaway plot device to get get things moving, yeah. and not very much moves. <laughs> it does. It does very. It feels like one of those '80s sword and sorcery movies, kind of like you know, like Conan the Barbarian. You know, that there is again, they they steer right into the fantasy. Why not? Make, why not make that power source? You know, I get that they they want to use the old ship of Noah's to get off the planet finally and and go somewhere safe um i get yeah. that but 
all this magic, if you're going to steer into the fantasy again, why not? What about some of the, the magical stuff that the Ewoks had in the first film? Why not? Yeah. You know, what if he finds out, he goes, oh, the, the Ewoks are really good at magic. Maybe I want one of these magical devices or something that was set up in the previous film. <laughs> like some of the stuff does carry over, but they do seem very separate as well, very separate yeah, entities, yeah. even though they are direct, a direct sequel uh, to yeah. the other film. It still feels like very much its own thing. Tonally, it's different. Um, you know, a lot of the actors aren't there. You know, it, it just feels very, very disconnected, especially that opening and the ending of the previous film. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't gel. Um, yeah, if you were to watch them back to back, you'd be like, what the fuck happened in between? <laughs> well, I mean, I watched it. I watched them both uh, basically two days apart. And yeah. And again, I did as well. And again, they they felt utterly, completely different. Um, and yeah, it's just... I, I think, again, Wilford Brimley does help because it feels a little bit more like a film. It feels like it's, it's not just like a few kids have turned the camera yeah. on. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, no, there's no narrator in this at all. There's no narration. It literally is more like a film. And like you said, it is. it does tap more into like a medieval-y kind of setting, which, you know... To me, these these films are less Star Wars and more Dungeons and Dragons, more Lord of the Rings kind of thing. They have that feel of Lord of the Rings more than they do Star Wars. They're only Star Wars because some of the sound effects, some of the laser blasts sound like TIE fighters and the Ewoks. Mm. For me, there's not there's not much else of connected tissue towards Star Wars. Like like I said, there's, there's no reference to the force, like the magic. Um, the weapon, even the weapons, don't really look Star no. Warsy. You don't, they don't, they don't resemble. You know, if they had, if they had Imperial blasters or Rebel blasters, you know, for a for a Star Wars fan, you would have gone, oh, they've got Rebel blasters. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, oh, I recognise that weapon. I recognise that look. A- apart from the Ewok, you take the Ewoks out and put any other kind of creature in there, it's not a Star Wars film. Yeah, it it just isn't. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I have a theory. I think this. Ooh, I, like, I like theories. Just like don't try and cover up the cracks. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, it's not a, a, a fan theory or anything like that. Oh, okay. An, an actual theory. It's an actual theory. So, um, even the costuming and the characters and the 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 orcs do look very fantasy inspired. Now, I'm thinking that the either the idea or the nugget of the idea for the film Willow had begun. Uh, to kind of germinate, or that they were creating things for the film Willow, which is a fantasy film yeah. by Lucasfilm. You know, it's definitely it's got Warwick Davis in it. You know, there's yeah. there's you know there's 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 links. You know, and it feels more fantasy. So I think maybe you know they did use like a lot of these films did use costumes and set and you know special effects and you know matte paintings. You you name it from the previous films from Return of the Jedi. Um, so why not? You know, why not? Would it be like a tester or yeah. try, trying to say, how do we do a good fantasy film? Or how do we, you know, corner, we've cornered the action market with Indiana Jones, the period action piece. We, we've cornered the sci fi market. How do we do fantasy and what do we do? And, and can we learn from this? And I reckon most, I'm probably, I don't know, I've not looked this up, but I reckon a lot of the team on this film probably went off and did Willow as well. Like they were still probably yeah. hired to do that. So I reckon there's there's some kind of connective tissue there, whatever that may be. Um, yeah. I, I think there's some there's definitely some kind of idea swirling in Lucas's brain or some of the other guy's brain. You know, we've got Warwick Davis. 
Um, you know what? I'll tell you what the film reminds me of a little bit. Um, it reminds me of Time Bandits. You ever seen Time Bandits? Oh, God, yeah. I yeah. can't stand it. I, I've, tr- I've tried it. I've watched, I've watched it fully. I've watched it fully a couple of times, but I've, I've never enjoyed it. But I know exactly what you what you what you where you're heading. Yeah, because the the reason they the reason they they wanted a child actor, um, and they were like, well, we need you know characters of his stature, or it's going to be difficult to film. So they were like, we'll we'll just hire little people to play the the bandits, which you know makes sense to me. And I think I think maybe that's a lot of the the thoughts behind these films is that we've got Ewoks, you know, we can do it in one shot. If we have a yeah. child and and a little person, you know, it's fine. We can just do that. Um, so I reckon some of the the ideas behind that. Now we have lost the narration in this film, which I'm glad of. Yeah. However, however, we have introduced probably the more troubling canonical, you know, continuity issue of the talking Ewoks because Wicket can now yeah, be mean... full English and looks absolutely creepy doing it. Yeah, I mean, it it, it is completely bizarre. It doesn't fit at all, um, but it's done. It's done purely for the basis of, well, we need to explain a few things. We can't just have Sindel crying all the time. Um, make him talk, <laughs> and to me, that's it. There's, there's no other creative decision around it. I don't think, and it does. It does fuck with the with the like the canon of it. And like I said briefly, like the idea is that. Sindel and her family aren't talking actually English. They're talking a different language. Obviously, us as the viewer hears it as English, but the the fan sort of like covering up the cracks of this is that the fan theory is that oh, when when Wicket meets Leia, he doesn't quite understand her because she's speaking pro- she's speaking proper English, yeah, yeah, like galactic English, whereas Sindel's family is speaking a variant language altogether. So they're humans, but they're not speaking galactic English. Bullshit. Um, I think it's just it's just um, it's just oh shit. Um, we, we're finding it really difficult to explain what's going on. Um, quick, go for it. Say something, Warwick, if you want. Which is fine because this is it's it's where Warwick finds his voice, yeah. and I think without this, you don't get Willow, yeah. like you were saying. So it's good in the sense that. This is where Warwick gets his full acting opportunity. It is creepy. It looks creepy because they add like in like a loose jaw to when he's talking, which it's just flopping around. It's like he's broke his jaw and he's going, oh, help me, please. Yeah. It, it looks but, like it looks like he's got it on a string, and every time yeah. he, speaks, he speaks, he Yeah, pulls. somebody's underneath going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, but like 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 I said, it's it, it's great for Warwick Davis because it's his voice. You hear his voice, and it actually frees up his character a little bit. You can see you see him jesting, and when he's saying he's trying to like when Noah comes over and he's like, "What are you doing here? Who are you?" You know, he's like trying to trying to shield her and try and comfort her. You know, trying to look after her. So you get these extra gestures, these extra emotions. So it does free up Warwick Davis, but it just fundamentally, <laughs> it's just it it's awful. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. And I don't like it purely because I've read several fan things saying, "Oh well, it, it is it is canon now. The Leia could talk to him. Well, it, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. They don't know what they're saying. That's why they use three PO to tell them not to eat them. <laughs> Leia goes three PO. Tell them <laughs> they are our friends. 
he's the protocol. <laughs> Just fuck off. Um, he is the protocol droid. That's the whole thing. And he's, you know, <laughs> again, it's it's stuff that is set up in Return of the Jedi where they're like, nah, it doesn't work for this film. So, yeah. you know. Um, but again, like you said, it, it just throws the... Where, where does it sit? Where, where do these films sit? Who knows? Who knows? Um, do you want to know what the tagline for this movie was? Speaking of the battles and the... Because it is a bit more action-packed, Ooh. this one, I, I will say. Yeah. Um, it, there's a, there are a bit more kind of those fantasy battles or what you would expect yeah. from a kind of sword and sorcery fantasy movie. The tagline was, The Mightiest Combat of the Galaxies. Galaxies, galaxies, yes, plural. All multiple so, galaxies. All the, this was the greatest of those battles, the mightiest of the combat in all of the galaxies ever, for all time. This not not Return of the Jedi, not that whole, not the Battle of Endor, the Battle for Endor. That was the one. That was yeah. the one. <laughs> Freaking hell! I mean, literally, in my my brain has just flashed through literally all the major moments. Of the Battle of Endor, with um, the Falcon flying through all the ships, all the Star Destroyers, like Lando saying, "Bring all the Star Destroyers, bring go into the Star Destroyers, they'll tear us apart. Well, we'll last longer than we will if there's a fucking Death Star." Epic moments. No, go fuck yourself. Battle of the Galaxies. Oh, who wrote that? Who wrote that? Come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's making me even more angrier. I actually think I actually think like, spoiler alert, I think this film is somewhat better right. than Caravan of Courage, but oh, I'm just angry. I'm just angry. I'm like Anakin now. I, I don't even have the high ground. I'm just <laughs> I just want to cut my own legs off. <laughs> Drop me off in Mustafar because Yeah. Take me much. to Mustafar and throw me into that fucking lava pit with that <laughs> dickhead over there. <laughs> oh, we're breaking so many people's hearts. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sorry. I am sorry. If you do like these films, I am sorry. But at the same time, oh no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. And I, uh, you know, and I've I've put us both through this. Um, you know, obviously you were going to do it. You know, you were already thinking about doing it. But I've put <laughs> instead put us both through these. Yeah. The problem is, I don't know how I'm going to do it myself uh, for for my own little my own little channel review. I don't know how I'm going to do it and keep contained or. Anything, I might just go full on out and get ridiculous. I don't know. I think I think well, you should. I think you should just make it like thirty seconds and just go. It's a piece of shit. Yeah, I end mean, of, I might do. I end, might of, do. end of end of line. <laughs> I might do. That's a good idea, actually. But uh, well, one thing I will say, like speaking of positives, there is a positive. There is a, a big positive in this film for me, and it is it is the the witch, Corral, uh, and I think. This witch, you know, she has this magical sort of ring, this uh, power charm, or whatever. And from what I'm reading, um, it, it, she's a precursor character for a set of um, figures called the Night Sisters. And the Night Sisters appear first in the Clone Wars TV series, and they're set on um, the same planet that Darth Maul comes from, uh, Dathomir. So the same kind of civilization, same sort of people, and they use magic similar to the force, but they use it to, you know, control elements and control life as well. So again, you're tapping into that whole sort of like, you know, you can use the force to create life and whatever. And they are very much magic. It's very much magic. Not much of it's explained, but they are very powerful beings. And like I said, you've got Darth Maul, who is a son of Dathomir, 
and another character who features very, very prominently, who's one of my most recently established adored characters, a Sarge Ventress, who is trained by Count Dooku. She is one of the Night Sisters. She is one of the daughters of the Night Sisters. So Corral is sort of like that prototype figure for the Night Sisters. So without Corral here, you wouldn't get a Sarge Ventress. You probably wouldn't even get Darth Maul because that sort of idea comes from all of that. So that is the, that's the main positive for me. And again, that just shows you sort of like when you could, when Disney or well, not Disney, so, so to speak, but when when certain elements of these Star Wars legends want to be uplifted, they can be uplifted to a perfect place. Hmm. And like I said, Asajj Ventress, I've got her, her dual lightsabers right behind my head as well. And, you know, she's one of my favourite characters purely because of the way she looks, which again is very similar to the way Corral looks. And there is, I can't remember the lead night sister in the show, her name, but she, yeah, very, much, she very much looks like Corral in this, that grandiose sort of costuming, the the... The, the jewellery, the look, the hair, even the style of acting, you know, the very sort of like very straight, very very much like you'd say like a stereotypical powerful witch yeah. that doesn't look all haggard or whatever. So she's beautiful, she's beautiful, she's got dark eyes, dark hair, but her eyes are really, really bright as well and, you know, deep. Mm. You get that with sort of like the Night Sisters, you know, they are very beautiful creatures, but they're deadly. They will fucking kill you. So that is the the main takeaway for, for, from this film for me is that that uplifting of the characters. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like I love um, that's one of the sections of the Clone Wars I absolutely love the whole Night Sisters, Dathomir, Darth Maul, Savage Press. Um, oh, Savage Press, yeah, brilliant. Oh, so good. And voiced by the legend that is Clancy Brown, one of my favorite actors. Yeah, actors. And then when I heard the voice, I went, great character. Yeah, great right. character. Immediately, I was like, "Yes, they know exactly what they're doing with Savage." Yeah, great, great storyline. Um, you know, I love Asajj. You know, coming away from Count Dooku. Uh, yeah, kind of, spoilers, brilliant. Spoilers a little bit. She, yeah, and she's. I've, yeah, I've just got up to uh, a certain point. Again, it probably is spoilers for people who haven't watched it, but I, I won't. I won't ruin it. But. Her journey is amazing, great, interesting, fascinating. Um, again, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff in the Clone Wars. More good stuff than bad stuff. I love the anything that focuses on the clones is great as well. I really like that. Um, I, I watched one which I thought was going to be absolute shite as well, which was this frog guy, this frog general, and he commands a mission that's uh, loads of astromech droids, and they have to kind of sneak in and grab like a microchip, yeah. and and that went on for like five six episodes um yeah. and i thought it'd be utter dog shit i was like this is gonna be crap but i ended up bloody loving that, that episode those episodes yeah. um and you know and, and the if you can get me to care about any show that can get me to care about robots or androids or droids or clones you know you've got my money you've got my attention if you can make me care about those tertiary you know often not focused on characters because there's so many great clone um, episodes with just the clones and I think they're fantastic when they're done well they're done great um, yeah. it's an amazing show probably one of the best Star Wars properties I've ever seen again does have you know there's a lot of episodes so there's a few stinkers in there but oh yeah for the I most part quite a few and I can see I can see why people wouldn't like it because it is told out of it's non-linear so all the episodes are out of uh, stories are out yeah, of order they're out of sync yeah I mean so, even for me even for me there's some of them I'm, sort of like, I'm not sure where it takes place exactly yeah but, can you can find it? I mean, yeah, I think the, the internet places. 
Yeah, yeah, I think the internet. Well, I think someone's. I think people on the internet have listed the correct order to watch them in. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to do, it's a bit painstaking to find each episode. Yeah. And go through. I think one of them you have to go all the way to like season four. In when you're watching season one, you need to jump to season four to watch the episode, then jump back, and it's kind of like yeah, ah, I can't really be bothered doing that. Yeah, I can't be asked either. So I'm just watching them as you know, yeah. as as they were, um, but, as they were created. Yeah, but like you said, like you're made to care about some of the lower characters lesser characters in the Clone Wars hmm. there's nothing in these two films where I care no and that's the problem that's the problem with it Star Wars has always been about creating characters that you care about you feel invested and you feel like you're you're on, on the journey with them there's there's no there's no characters here nothing does that there's no there's no sort of element where you go oh I understand I want to be a part of that you know I, I I feel for that journey. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't. It does. It doesn't feel here. It feels like, like you said, a very tired '80s typical fantasy genre film that's swallowed up by better fantasy genre films. Yeah, I, I, the, the Black Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dark Disney movie. Yeah, it's kind of like that dark kind of children's era. 80s movies, those kind of labyrinths and, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Again, yeah, just swallowed up by likes of Labyrinth, which is better. Why? Oh, yeah. Because you, you're interested in the characters. You care about the characters. Even though David Bowie's character in Labyrinth is weird and freaky, yeah. you love it because he's interesting. You get invested in what he's trying to do, even though what he's trying to do doesn't really make sense. But you love it because you're like, the character's there. Hmm. And it's it's Jim Henson, and they're all about character. Even the puppets yeah. are full of fucking character. Exactly. But exactly. He, here, the humans, you know, Sindel, like you were saying, we don't fucking care. Sindel has gone through the worst fucking, you know, abrupt death of yeah. her, her entire family in her life, and she can't act herself out of a paper bag. She can't fucking sing either, which is awful. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never... I've never gone, oh, really? Really? Yeah, sing me yeah. that. Again, Wilfred Brimley is putting so much into what he's given. Uh, yeah. I, feel, I feel bad for him. And he's. I remember uh, people people make fun of him. There's like a meme that goes around because he's got diabetes. He's always going like, I've got diabetes. I got the diabetes. You know, there's all those kind of memes about it. And I'm just like, yeah. I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch a repetition of him pronouncing diabetes, yeah. uh, you know, than, than hearing this That's- fucking song. That's that singing reminded me of when the girl sings in Hook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, I get, I get it. I get what they're trying to do, trying to make it poignant, and you know. But oh, I just you don't. You don't work. care. You don't care because she's like, work. yeah. You just I'm don't sad. care. I'm sad. My parents are dead, and and obviously off camera, like the, she can't cry because it's not even acting really. Yeah. Off camera, you know, someone's like licked their thumb and then. Put it down her cheek to to, yeah. imita- to imitate crying, but again, it's like I'm sad. Beat, beat, beat. Frown. Uh, you know, it's it, again. Yeah. You can just tell it's just not. It's not there. She's just doing as she's told, and they turn the camera on, and they're just like, you know, yeah. we'll edit, we'll edit round this. And Wilfred Brimley, you can tell he's been so supportive and so caring to all these little child yeah. actors or the the little people that are acting. You know, he's doing such. Such a, uh, you know, again, he is limited by the script and he's limited by the character, but I think he really is trying and trying to make this special. You know, it's not his, you know, he's not on the level of like when he's in the thing and he's like, don't trust Clark, you know. Yeah. He's he's gone fucking mad and he's putting his fingers in somebody's face, you know. Yeah. 
it's nowhere near that level. But I, 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 I get that he's trying, and I can see that he's trying. I can yeah. see that he's at least attempting. Like everybody else is like, you know, we've got non-talking characters who are now talking, and even then, like you said, like Warwick again is doing the best he can, but he's limited by the the props yeah. the costume the script the writing the everything else that's going on um i always feel bad because you know we we've, we've we've been actors we've acted and i always feel bad for the acting yeah. things because they're always like you know and even the ones that seem to be bad you know in, especially in lucas productions i'm always like is it the writing is it the direction you yeah. know is he just saying quicker and more intense all the time is that all he's Don't saying like yeah <laughs> <laughs> is, is it is it because is it, at the end of the day it's kind of really down to the director to get yeah. those get the performance well, yeah I, i've experienced yeah. it firsthand with like just terrible terrible writing and terrible decisions mm. you know, like i i did bloody punch and judy a live action version of punch and judy <laughs> on stage and in hindsight, it was the worst decision you could possibly imagine because the the writing's not there for a stage production of it. So what came across, what was meant to be harmless and you know, you know, sort of like with with an like element a callback, like, oh. yeah, yeah, like yeah. a callback, or like uh, with an element of like, oh, be careful what you wish for, be careful, you know, what you do to others, hmm. bullying and all this. It didn't come across. Came across creepy. Came across violent. Mm. and very very fucking disturbing mm. and, and a lot of school a lot of a lot of schools that we uh, we took it to and a lot of performances we had the reaction was just completely like oh god what is this and that's what you get with this i mean the weight was put my on mine and you know um nathan's shoulder to really sell every aspect of it and you can see that with wilfred brimley you can see you can see you can see the weight of knowing he's in a star wars film mm and trying to make it work and you can see that and you can hear it in the way in his acting he's sort of like giving everything to it you mm. know you know whether it be 78 percent, whatever you can see that you still you can see that he's still giving it yeah and it's the, the, there's no payoff there's no payoff to it because there's no payoff in the script there's no payoff in the writing similar to punch and judy there was no payoff in the writing or the script or the direction to make there it work go. And again, like I've, I've been in similar acting situations. You kind of just, you know, you come up with an interesting idea for a character, or you've got an idea, or you want because you, you want it to be a collaborative process. That's the, yeah, the end of the idea. You want yeah. you want to you want to feel. I remember I did a I did a play about the first women's football team ever, um, and I was asked to play great story. Yeah, and it, absolutely it, great story. Inspiring, and it was set during World War One. You know, again, it was very much like fringe kind of theatre. It wasn't paid. You know, and I and I had to play an abusive husband. One of the characters was an abusive husband, uh, and I said, "Right, I've got this really good idea." He's shell shocked. He's not really sure what he's doing. You know, he's he's lashing out, but he instantly regrets it. He doesn't know how to manage his feelings. And they said, "Nah, don't want that." They said, "Just be a stereotypical wife beater." And I. And I, and I was like, so either I can go against that, what the director has said, or I can I can give them exactly what they want. And I decided to just give them what they wanted. Uh, yeah. And I remember, you know, our friends Nathan and uh, and Matt, his brother, came, and they were just like, "I'm sorry, but that was an awful play." And I was like, "Yeah, it's not great." And and they were like, and they looked at and they looked at my performance as the as the wife beater, and like, we're really sorry, Dan, but that was not great and i was like i understand yeah, you, you, you want you want people to tell you that as well you want yeah. people to tell you that it's not been great but like for me like well i don't i don't act anymore but that's that's the way i look at it. that's the way i review films that's how i, how I review review media from like sort of like that 
I'm not, I'm, Christ almighty, I'm not a successful actor, I never was, but I, I did enough work, you know, to sort of inform some of the decisions that I would try and take into what I was doing. Like you say, if somebody says, oh, don't do that, I'd still be like, okay, I, I, if you don't want me to, if you don't want me to ex express it that way, you know, I'd still try and use some of those thought processes to try and enhance yeah. for myself the character. Mm. For example, um, I read something about Adam Driver for Kylo Ren, where basically he said, like, he created, he tried to create sort of like a backstory for himself to build upon, to create, to take the character to where it was going, um, because obviously they didn't want to give him too much information, you know, about what was going to happen in Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker, because let's face it, they were writing it on the fly. Um, so he was creating sort of like a, you know, a backstory for his character and he took it to them and he said, look, this is what I think, this is how we're going to go. You know, I think, you know, this is where the character would go. And they shut it down completely. Hmm. I mean, Adam Driver is a really good fucking actor. He's probably the best actor in those films, apart from Domhnall Gleeson. And Domhnall Gleeson gets completely shat on. Yeah. Um, sorry again, Last Jedi fans, Rise of Skywalker fans. It's just my personal opinion. But yeah, they just, they undermined... The actors, you've got you got actors of such prowess, you know, in those films. Such Oscar Isaac caliber. as well, yeah, yeah Oscar caliber. Isaac as well. You know, you've got to give you've got to give and take. Like you said, it's a collaborative process. If you're creating something from scratch, something brand new, and you want you you're hiring actors or whatever, you know, you want to give them something so that they can give you something in return. Absolutely. And from what I was reading about Adam Driver, you know, he he wanted to put that in same thing with John Boyega as well. He wanted to put certain things in all of it was shut down. Yeah. All of it was shut down. And that's in public record now as well. That's not just me making it up. That's in public record. Like John Boyega offered certain things. Oscar Isaac offered certain things, Adam driver, you know, they were all shut down, all shut down. Yeah. And it's the same thing probably with here. You know, it's not, that's not the same thing in these films, because obviously I don't think there was probably much sort of like creative collaboration, but, you know, they could have done a bit more with Wilfred Brimley. I think they could have given him some help. Yeah. I think more than anything. I, I reckon even, he probably... Even a scene with the witch probably would have enhanced this film just a little bit better because who killed his friend? Who killed his pilot? You know, I wanted to see some kind of reaction between the three of them, you know, Tarek, if that's his name, the witch, and Noah, I wanted to mm. see that sort of like resolution, a resolution there. Yeah. An acceptance I, I, of my friend is dead rather than Sindel telling me, oh, he's dead, by the way. I saw his bones. I was, <laughs> just, I, was okay. just, I was just about to mention that. He makes this whole thing about, oh, you know what? I realized that my friend probably is never coming back, probably is dead. Um, you know, yeah. I've been here for so long, you know. He's, and stuck, he's, he's stuck on the fucking planet himself. He's stuck on Endor. Yeah. And it's a tragedy. It's and it's, it's something to connect those two characters, Sindel's tragedy and, yeah. and Noah's tragedy. And then she's just like, oh, by the way, your mate's dead. Yeah. And he's saw like, his bones. Yeah, sorry, Jones, by the way. Um, yeah, they told him about the power and all that sort of stuff. And then he just like, right, whatever, we've got to escape this castle. Puts yeah, a bomb on the wall, and they're out. Yeah, there's no emotional re no, no emotional resolution to it. Um, that's annoying. I mean, the wit the, he, he see, he's talking to the witch through the cell. Mm. You know, she's, she's still in the cell, and she's not been released. And she's like, help, let, let me out, and I'll, I'll, I can help you. I can help you because Tarek's lost his mind. You know, there could have been some moment there of sort of reconciliation, like, I made a mistake. Your friend didn't deserve to die. Tarek's just completely insane. 
I've been corrupted because of my power. But yeah, it just all yeah. it all it all just moves on too quickly, and at the end, Tarek steals her power and he dies because of it. And there's not there's nothing else to it. There's literally nothing else to it. Arguably, the most powerful item in the film is is Karal's ring, and then it kind of gets smashed, and then. Again, it's not really explained, but I guess you don't really need it to be explained too much. But you get it gets smashed in a battle with Brimley and Terak, and then he just kind of turns to stone. Um, that's kind of how it ends. I do I do think this this film as well has the audacity, I will say audacity, to steal from from themselves um the the scene from New Hope with the turrets, you know, when the TIE fighters come in and it's like, you know, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't get don't get cocky, kid, because they they take the power source, activate the old ship, and they jump into the turrets to shoot the yeah. orcs. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding? Come on. Like yeah. just... the Ewoks that yet again are superbly skilled in <laughs> operating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Operating starship star yeah. weaponry. But- but like in Return of the Jedi, it was it was good because you know it it sort of like paralleled American Indians and their evolution from, you know, yeah. Native Americans rather, of you know evolve, evolving, um, getting together, you know, muskets and whatever, and using them in their own tactics. So yeah, I, you can kind of see it, but it just it it all feels just like it needs to happen, so we're going to make it happen, and that is it. And uh, it's it's rubbish. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's literally rubbish. The last little fight between Tarek and Noah is, yeah. Again, like I said, that's that's resolution, but it doesn't yeah. resolve anything. There's no sort of like moment where they go, "I killed your friend, and I'm going no. to kill you." There's not even that. Not no. even that. And Tarek can talk. We we hear him talk, and yet he doesn't say anything to Noah. Mm. You're telling me 25 years that Noah's been stuck on that planet. He hasn't come across Tarek. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the, during that fight as well, again, like, you know, with, with Sindel's acting, I've, I've, you know, I was talking about beat, 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 smile and stuff like that. For that fight, it, it's the same because you, you hit... Oh, all the, the choreography all the, is terrible. Yeah. And you've done fight choreography. You trained in fight choreography. So you know what that should be. Yeah, in the basic um, sense, it's like, you know, advertising your strokes, advertising where you're going, you know, even just like a bit of speed. It's literally just like I'm going this way, and now under here, and you're like, oh my god, just kill each other. <laughs> oh god, I'm, I'm I'm a very big fan of like in fight scenes. You're supposed to be you're supposed to be trying to kill your opponent. So if you're not aiming for a point where you'll either maim them severely or kill them directly, then I don't buy your action sequence. Mm. So sword fights, if they're just swinging to make a noise, I don't buy it. Like, don't care. My, my, my main point is I go back to the Phantom Menace, that fight scene, every stroke that you see Darth Maul trying to hit, he's aiming for either their head, their legs, or their arms. So he's trying to disable them. Whereas in Revenge of the Sith, they're just spinning the lightsaber at the end. Yeah, pointless. Just spinning them. Just spinning them and doing twirls and whatever. Darth Maul does the twirls, but the ferocity in when he goes in to strike, mm. when it's just him and Obi-Wan in the last little bit, the ferocity of the strikes, you look where he's positioning the blades, they're all going towards Obi-Wan's head or to his legs. In this, in, in this, very similar to Revenge of the Sith, they're just swinging them to make it look good. They do a couple of twirls, they get thrown over, and then, ooh, there's no follow-up strike. So somebody gets thrown over, there's no follow-up strike. It's, uh, it's rubbish. 
Rubbish. It is rubbish. <laughs> it's another rubbish film. Now, I've got two last points, and then we have to compare them because yes. we've got like 20 minutes, about 20 minutes left. Um, I'm not Plenty having a time. I'm not having a third part, so no. we're going we're gonna to get started very soon. So, <laughs> so there is, speaking of fan theories, there is a fan theory that Sindel, uh, who leaves the planet of Endor at the end of this film, spoilers, if you are ever going to watch these, um, she leaves, and there's a fan theory that she grows up to be Captain Phasma, apparently. Um, yeah, so uh, a fan theory. It's not confirmed, but it's uh, there's a theory because she has blonde hair that she... <laughs> You know, short blonde hair, she becomes Captain Phasma. Um, however, there was a a Legends novel, a Star Wars Legends novel called Tyrant's Test. Now, a grown-up, an adult, uh, Sindel. Now, every time I, I say Sindel, I just think of the Mortal Kombat character from Annihilation. Oh, God. Too bad you will die. <laughs> yeah. I just always picture her every time I say Sindel. Um now she's oh, she's no. she's an, she's an adult. She's a reporter. She's on Coruscant. Um, interviews a guy, a former stormtrooper who survived the Battle of Endor, called Hume Tal. Now, in an interview, he says that the uh, the New Republic have played down the atrocities and war crimes committed <laughs> committed on the stormtroopers and the Empire uh, by the Ewoks. Um, and he's like, "This, I was there, man. I saw, you didn't see what I saw. I was there. You weren't there, man. I saw the butchery, the cannibalism. You, what about those war crimes, eh? What about those? When, when is somebody going to answer for them? When are the Ewoks going to answer for those war crimes? Um, he's not wrong, is he? No, he's not. I kind of... I, the, the Ewoks do kind of probably eat the stormtroopers. Yeah. You see, you see them at the in the celebration, like, make it, they've made drums out of the stormtroopers' helmets. Like, okay. <laughs> To be fair, there is there is some. I think it might still be in the legends um, canon and the Star Wars legends that debris from the second uh, Death Star comes down and and kind of hits a lot of kills a lot off a lot of the uh, Ewoks. Apparently, yeah, I, I remember reading that as well. Yeah, but that yeah. that was in Legends. Yeah, that parts of the Death Star crash landed into um, Ewok village in, into into Endor and caused untold climatic damage that. Set them back, yeah, yeah, yeah. quite funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, also one last point: um, are these Ewoks like from the ghetto? Because they're not up in the trees. Yeah, you do in Caravan of Courage. You do briefly see like an upshot of them being in the trees, and then mm. in Battle for Endor, they're on the ground in a nice, lovely village. Yeah, they're like okay. Can we not? Couldn't afford the budget to make tree houses, I guess. No. Oh well. <laughs> right. Let's start our comparison. <laughs> let's please end this torture. Oh well. This is this is an this is a Star Wars war crime in itself. Both of these films are a war crime. Yeah, a, I mean, a Star Wars crime, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So so as as usual, we have five categories for comparison. <laughs> The first one is writing. Uh, so which out of these two films do you think has, has the best writing? You know what? I would probably say uh, maybe Battle for Endor, purely because of Noah. I'm clutching at straws, got to be yeah. honest. Um, it's hard. They're both very, very bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just in the basic sense of like having uh, Mr. Brimley. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Battle for Endor. 
God almighty. Yeah. So see, this is hard. This is actually quite a hard choice to make between both of them. That's why it's kind yeah. of, in a way, it's a good comparison podcast for that. Yeah. I mean, because like it usually I have like several thoughts swimming around when we've mm. done this before. I've had like several thoughts swimming around, like pros and cons. Yeah. I don't have any for the writing. I don't have any pros other than the very simplest basic things. Of, yeah. Got the I, actor. The actor's done his best. Mm. Okay. I'm actually going to give this to Caravan of Courage um, because I just think the plot is stronger, the storyline is stronger, um, the through line is stronger. It's not as random or weird or as flimsy a plot. Like you know, yeah. you know the goal, you know where they're going, you know what they need to do. You know, we, there's all these kind of kind of side journeys and side missions. Yeah. But I think I'm going to give it to Caravan of Courage. Uh, yeah. So that's one Fair each. Enough. One each. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> the next the next category is acting. Um, which oh. film has the best acting in it? Uh, Battle for Endor again, purely because of Mr. Brimley. Mr. Brimley. Mr. Brimley. I am going yeah. to I'm going to agree. I think Sindel is, has improved slightly in her acting. Um, yeah. Again, we get a bit more Warwick, like you said, with his physicality yeah. and speaking. And also, you've got Wolfer Brimley doing the heavy lifting. You know, yeah. obviously, there's other characters like Corral and stuff. But again, like you said, it's Wolfer Brimley. Yes. Yeah. So that's- I mean, I can't, I can't think of any notable moments in Caravan that has decent acting because, like you said, it's it's all over encumbered by Mace's weird character choices and yeah. his weird sort of like reaction to everything. Which again, I think is just poor direction. Really, I think it's just it's just yeah. angry. It's just constantly angry. That is, that's his one yeah. thing. It's it's never like oh, I'm sad now. It's like I'm slightly less angry now. These are my levels of anger. So I'm a ten now. Oh, now I'm a two because the Ewok just saved me from drowning with a magic stick. You know. Yeah. Oh God, that scene is awful. Yeah, that is a bad scene. I, magic I stick. Oh God, Mister McGuffin number four. Yeah. <laughs> We need to create. We need to create some kind of moment of tension. Give them a magic stick so we can drown Mace, and then they can save him. God, I wish. Why? Oh, because it just happens. I wish they drowned him then instead of in the second film. Got rid of him. In a way, it's kind of a good thing they probably got rid of him. But then again, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, moving on. This has been a long one. This has been exhausting. This has been exhausting watch, and it's been good. It's been good, but it has been. It has been good. Yeah, I mean, it's been been good. Um, and uh, it's, it's nice to look back on these these lesser known films and kind of <laughs> see the mistakes that were made. <laughs> so next one, luckily, is um, probably the best element of, of both of these films. It's the music. Um, so which film do you think had the better music, better score? What do you think? Um, I think Caravan had the better score because it feels a bit more because they're going on a journey. The journey is quite grand. It's quite, there's quite a spectacle to the journey. Mm. You do get a lot of elements, a lot of like John Williams esque elements in caravan in, and I can, I can, I can remember certain keys and moments in caravan battle for Endor. The the score doesn't quite fit. doesn't, doesn't sit. It doesn't quite match what's going on. I think that's because the film just doesn't know what it's doing either. So I, I think caravan, yeah, for me, I, yeah, I I agree. I think Caravan as well because um, even though it has its own unit, like I think Battle for Endor could, as good as the music is, that doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. It no. does, it just feels like a generic fantasy whimsical score, um, which is fine. Which is there's nothing wrong with that. 
uh, and it is good in its own right. But you do get a sprinkling of John Williams in in Caravan, which you don't get in Battle for Endor, and that made me, even even the little kind of Endor themes and notes and stuff. Mm. Uh, that's enough for me to go. Oh yeah, it feels like Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. You do you do get some of those. You do get quite a lot of wide shots in Caravan of like you know when it's night nighttime and they're looking at the stars and it's like that you know then Endor's um, mother planet if you like mm. or you know just there and you get those little you get those little inflections of that that Star Wars kind of you know the sound. grand, the grand yeah. scale of everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, get, you get you get those tones in the music in Caravan um like I, I said it like when early on the the music is really really good probably the, the most positive aspect of Caravan is the music yeah yeah, so that's uh, that's music. So moving on to the next one, it's probably I think this is probably one of the tougher categories. It's cinematography. So which had the better look, basically? Of- yeah, so I think this is a hard one. Again, I'd probably go with Caravan purely because, like again, like the the the, the wider sort of like the use of the you know the the matte paintings in the backdrop. Combined with, you know, the foreground of you know a very real forest on the Skywalker Ranch and things like that, um, even uh, even the fucking desert, which is a load of shit. <laughs> you know, it looks pretty good. It looks it looks pretty good. I think the, the modelings of the, the castle and the way they take the shots and look up at the the castle where the the Gorax is, you know, is very 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 grandiose. Um, it, it fits better than what we see in sort of the editing and cinematography for Battle for Endor, which is all very flashed and rushed together because it's all more fighting and whatever. Yeah. And so it doesn't quite work because it's all very, there's a lot of jump cuts and edits in Battle for Endor. Whereas, or, or some horrible smash cuts. Oh, oh some terrible ones. Absolutely terrible, terrible. And yeah, the, I think the cinematography, because it's allowed to flow a bit better in Caravan. There are a lot, mm. there are a lot of establishing shots, a lot of, you know, wide angle moments where they're where they're just where we're just watching the Ewoks, especially at yeah. the start when the Ewoks are fiddling around with that you know flying contraption, whatever. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a little bit better there. No, I, I you've taken the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say caravan as well. I I I just agree with everything that you've just said, so I'm not going to repeat repeat anything that you've just said. Fair but <laughs> I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head for me as well. It's it's just. It's just better. Yeah, there's a, there was a horror. There's a horrible smash cut. I remember in Battle for Endor where the music's playing in one scene, smash cut into halfway. The music is playing for another one, um, yeah. different music. I was like, oh, that's horrible. That's the one of the worst transitions I've ever seen on film. Um, in one of the worst films yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Um, yeah, okay, the just shocking. Everything it's really shocking. bad. It's really bad. Um, okay, so. Final is direction. Uh, which do you think was the better directed of the two films? Oh. Again, I think this is again another tough one to to compare. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's tough. I, I'm really, really struggling. Um, I think I think if you're looking for an action movie, like a more kind of straightforward action movie, yeah, then, um, fantasy action movie, yeah, you probably go Battle for Endor. But if you're looking for like a a, a, a to B story, um, one that's more kid friendly, um, and it's a bit more whimsical because the other one's a bit dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I think it just depends on your taste, kind of. 
But I think I think I'm gonna have to give it to Caravan again because it- yeah, I'm I'm thinking that myself. Just thinking of what you just said there. Yeah, basic elements of it. It it works. The editing's better. It, it flows a bit better. It's still slow as fuck. Um, yeah. Like the the other one again. Start Battlefriend or just start. It's a bit more exciting. It's a bit more like you know. It, it, but then the mid the middle falls into that massive pit. Yeah. Of creative where, rubbish where do we go oh we'll just we'll just sit in this we'll sit on the in the forest for a bit yeah it's the it's the the deathly hallows part one. Oh, what should we do for this film oh we'll just all three of us will just be angry in a forest and jealous of each other that's great yeah i want to oh, crap that is yeah it's awful yeah um so yeah i think i again talking about the editing and the sloppy editing again it's more action-packed but it's not as again the plot is really flimsy and i think again that suffers um, like online, I think a lot of people prefer this one because it's Battle for Endor because yeah. it's more action packed. There's a bit more going on. Yeah, but that's, to me, that's to me, that's just that's just surface. That's like, oh, it, it's better because there's action. It doesn't necessarily make up for faults, the, <laughs> the faults even there. worse inadequacies of the story. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they've they've overcorrected themselves in in Battle for Endor because obviously caravan's a lot slower it's a lot you know it's a lot more paced and it's you know it's a bit more you could it's it's more dull i would say it's dull um and i think they've gone well that was dull so now just edit to the action quick quick cut to the action quick 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 quick. yeah um and again that hampers the film and again it's like oh we don't need to worry about plot just keep make it make it move make it keep it pacey yeah yeah yeah. keep that brevity keep it going and then people won't complain and uh, (laughs) you know and and it is effective but it also lets the film down as well um yeah definitely so so i've got to give it to to caravan um i will as well i will as well so that was reasons so that was uh, for writing. You gave it to Endor. I gave it to Caravan for acting. We both gave it to Endor. Music, Caravan. Cinematography, Caravan. And direction, Caravan. So the winner, the victor of the Clone Wars, if you can call, you can even call it a victor, is Caravan of Courage. So if you are going to watch any of these Ewok movies, watch Caravan of Courage, but I would not recommend them any of them at all but oh, that is that is the best of the worst of the star wars movies yeah, i have I think, ever seen i think really if you're going to watch any of these ewok movies watch return of the jedi absolutely um, yes to be fair, <laughs> just don't please uh, just don't it may actually sour your opinions on like the ewoks even further ewoks and just, maybe just, star wars in general yeah i mean yeah, that's the danger of it, isn't it? It's like, what were they thinking? What? I think that's the that's the thing for me. I think like just looking at it, what were they thinking? <laughs> what, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Uh, it, was it, was I don't it, was think it they pure... were thinking. I don't think they were thinking. No, well that's just it. Was it pure hubris? You know, they are they are Terak. They haven't got a plan. They haven't got an end game. They are yeah. the Terak. They're like, we'll just do it for the sake of doing it. Money, yeah. I guess. Money. We want money. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, just, yeah. Just create. Just creative hubris. I think. I mean. Yeah, and yeah, for me, I'm 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 seeing that in you know Star Wars at, at the moment. Um, in terms of the films, just creative hubris. I don't I don't think there was any grand plan. For, for these films, other than uh, the holiday special was crap, we need to make something better. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to spearhead it. This is what it's going to be. And like you said, Tony Farina said, you know, yeah. where, where did George Lucas jump the shark? And I think 
it was it was these films because it was like we made money we need to keep this in the public's eyes yeah more action figures more toys great i've got all the toys behind me yeah great keep giving me toys i'll buy them i'll buy them you know lego all that but at the time i think it was a case of we need to keep star wars in the public eye because to be fair they didn't know where they were going mm-hmm. with star wars after the original trilogy and I think this, these, these films probably actually had a more detrimental effect on slowing down the process of carrying on with the series. Mm. I don't think anybody probably admit it. That's probably me just maybe over speculating. But just looking at it, I think people would have gone. We've had the holiday special, which came out, you know, before Empire. It's not great. Mm. And then after Return of the Jedi has been done, we created this, and then they create the cartoon series, which was garbage as well. And I think probably a lot of people are like, well, let's just let's just sit on it for a while. And a while turned into a few decades. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean we, we got the we got all the extended universe stuff, we got the legend stuff. Um and that yeah. of, often that stuff is really good. I love the comics, I love Dark Horse yeah. comics and all that sort of stuff. Novels were were very popular as well and you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, Air, the Air to the Empire novels, bloody great. Yeah. Bloody great. They're the ones I read. They're the ones that a lot of people say the sequel trilogy should have followed, really. And I, I after, agree. after the culmination of this sequel trilogy we've got, I, I think they should have as well. I think they should have. The, the greatest disaster for me is Disney going, it's legends, and we'll never speak of it again. And you can see by the fact they brought Thrawn back and, you know, all these other elements. Yeah. I can see it. I can see it now. They've probably gone. Maybe we made a little bit of a mistake. Hmm. I don't. They would. They would. They never say they made a full mistake because there's no way these these sequels will ever get retconned or whatever. Absolutely. But, and like you said, let's never speak of them again. Uh, yes. So, so <laughs> that that is the end of this podcast. It has been long, but it has been great as usual. I don't oh, mind. Absolutely. Do, I don't mind doing. I've enjoyed myself to a T. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Andy where can people find your YouTube channel and your social medias and everything because they need to watch some more of your angry review- reviews just like this one oh well yeah I mean um, I don't think I've made anything so angry as this but um, yeah you can you can find me at, um, angry Andy reviews on YouTube um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Andy underscore review um, also on Instagram as well. I've just started that up. I can't remember what that is off the top of my head. I think it's I think it's Andy. Angry. I'll, I'll, I'll tag you, I'll tag you in it because it's like yeah, Andy, yeah, Andy and then a number, isn't it? Yeah, Andy uh, Angry underscore uh, Andy one one three eight. I think something like that. I don't know. I've just just started up, but yeah. Uh, the main the main go to area is uh, Angry Andy reviews on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other connections are on there as well. Yeah, the yeah. Facebook, the Twitter, um, yeah. the Instagram. Yeah, the Instagram's brand new. So, guys, sign up to the Instagram because, again, it's all good content. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's really good. So, uh, And I'll, ta- I'll tag Andy in it. Um, you can find me at Secret Balls on Facebook or at Dan underscore Balls on Twitter, Spider Dan Secret Balls on Instagram. And don't forget to use the hashtag Prepare for Prattle when you interact. For everything else you need to know about the podcast, swing over to spiderdanandthesecretballs.com on the World Wide Web to email me, read reviews, and learn how you can support the podcast. Speaking of supporting the podcast, I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon. I am Jack's Musings, Paul Meller, Max Byrne, Tony Farina, and Scott Hodgson. Thank you for continuing to donate. It is very much appreciated. 
appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. So thank you very much, guys. And thank you, Andy. This has been great. So uh, <laughs> so I'm going to sign what, off. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Can don't you... worry. Don't worry. I've got, we've got Samurai Month coming up and we're going to actually look at some good oh, films. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ah. So I'll make up for this. We'll make. I promise we'll make up for this. So. I hope so.